Hi, everybody. Welcome to the October 12, 2018 edition of Colorado Inside Out. I'm your host, Dominic Dizzuti. Thank you very much for joining us. Well, let's get a quick take on President Donald Trump announcing his endorsement of Walker Stapleton this week. Patty Calhoun from Westward, you may have been there, but let me just imagine that you weren't. So Walker Stapleton's office, the uh, press person comes in and says, Mr. Stapleton, I just got the phone with the White House. You just got endorsed by President Donald Trump. Reaction. What do you think happened? Well, we knew Donald Trump was not going to endorse Jared Polis, so I don't think... Stapleton's already come out as pro-Trumpy, so I don't think it really will affect him one way or the other, unless it encourages people who might have stayed home. But there's so many reasons to vote this election that I don't think it's going to bring out anybody new. Krista Kafer, columnist of the Denver Post, thanks for joining us. Uh, Krista, did, does the endorsement do uh, anything, I guess, for a four-vote for Walker? Because I'm imagining anybody who would uh, like the fact that he was endorsed by President Trump Already, he already had that vote, but maybe I'm wrong. What do you think? You know, I don't even know that endorsements matter anymore. I mean, you get your typical, you know, Bernie Sanders and, and the starlets will come out for the left. A couple of conservatives and Donald Trump come out for the right. I think everyone knows how they were going to vote probably six months ago. Does it really matter? It's an excellent question. Let's ask that to Joey Bunch, Deputy Managing Editor at Colorado Politics and overall bon vivant. That's my favorite nickname for you, uh, Joey. Uh, does it make a difference for anybody, whether people who are supporting or not supporting Walker Stapleton? Well, I think this side of the table got it right. I don't think it does move the dial. The people that were going to vote for Walker Stapleton that support President Trump, they're still going to do that. But it gives people on the other side a reason not to vote for him. You know, it's a more emphatic no. You know, both of these guys are trying to present themselves as more moderate for the general election. And I don't see how you can have Bernie Sanders endorsing Jared Polis and Donald Trump uh, endorsing Walker Stapleton and, and have any uh, illusions that there are still moderates in this race. I agree that the moderate ground of this governor's race was abandoned months ago, but that's uh, a good point. Rounding up the panel, Scott Wasserman, president at the, at the Bell Policy Center. Scott, does it make a difference for either side? Well, maybe it'll help Walker Stapleton win his primary. I mean, he's clearly still in primary mode. I think, I think Walker Stapleton has a math problem. I think that uh, it will help the 80% of Republicans that support Donald Trump, but it's going to do absolutely nothing for the very few independents and even fewer Democrats that support Donald Trump. And I think it's just indicative of the fact that Walker Stapleton has a polling problem, which is he needs to strengthen himself with Republicans, but that means losing the folks in the middle and on the left. Well, let's, get, let's keep on the governor's race. Walker Stapleton and Jared Polis began their debate season last Friday with their first televised debate featured right here in Colorado Public Television. Our partners at CBS4 had it first, and then we broadcast it an hour later. Other debates have produced some fireworks and a few regrettable jokes. The candidates are set to debate eight times in the month of October. Patty, did we learn anything at any of these debates, whether it was footage from what they did in Grand Junction or Pueblo or the one that we hosted here in Denver? Well, I think we learned that Walker Stapleton needs a new joke writer. Uh, if you look at the one where maybe he was joking and he asked Jared Polis if he would have his kids consume marijuana in order to get money for schools, which was, I think, the most tone-deaf statement of the uh, tone-deaf question of the debate season. But also you saw Stapleton kind of taking a lead when he came out on, on um, Colorado Inside, sorry, Channel 12 last week when he was, like, playing Kavanaugh, like a tack dog, 
interrupt, don't let Polis talk. Then Polis, of course, winds up interrupting, and poor Sean, uh, Sean Boyd was like clapping her hands like a schoolmarm, saying, please stop it, stop it, boys. It was like a, a ballroom bra uh, playground brawl. So I hope they calm down a little. They've got eight to, what, four more to go. Mm -hmm. It's gotten a little better, but I just thought I'd like to hear a lot more about what they believe and not what Stapleton thinks of Polis. It was funny, after that debate, so I was one of the uh, happy and proud to be one of the panelists there, we did a Facebook Live segment with Jim Beneman, and he asked uh, general impressions, and all of us agreed that Sean deserved a ref's uh, jersey and a whistle for uh, what she had to be doing. Uh, Krista, there were a couple different reactions. The, the very first televised debate we did, you saw very aggressive Walker Stapleton. Uh, in the second televised debate, which was, I want to say televised, I mean, I guess it was never on Channel 6, but it was mostly from Grand Junction. Um, you saw a, a, a humanizing moment with Walker Stapleton because he had that he couldn't get the math out between 50,000 and 5 billion, 50 billion. And it, 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 he actually got a little bit of pity, but a, kind of a humanizing pity on, on Twitter for 24 hours. And then he lands this pot joke as a, as a huge lead balloon 24 hours later. So a lot changed <laughs> in three days of debating. What, did, what was your takeaway from what we've seen so far? You know, I, I'm going to be the cynic here. I don't believe that debates actually matter. I think we've got two competent, smart, smart men running for office. I think that uh, Jared Polis's policies are probably going to be a disaster for the state, but they're both good guys. I think people already knew what they were going to do six months ago. I would rather, instead of seeing these kind of dog and pony show debates, see something that's a little bit more substantive. What are the costs of these policies? What are the benefits? But that kind of nerdy cost-benefit sort of panel is not really what the public wants, or so we're led to believe. Just so you know, we're not going to let you write our next promo for watching debates on Channel 12, but <laughs> I get your point. Uh, Joey, uh, you're having to cover all of these, you and your team at Colorado Politics. Anything that you're seeing that could possibly be, maybe not even a game changer, but a blip on the radar that puts some juice into this campaign that so far has lacked all of it? No, no, because neither candidate is saying anything different. Oh, and this is just in from the shameless plug department. I'm moderating a debate tomorrow night in Colorado Springs. It'll be carried live on KOAA. It'll be streaming on Colorado Politics and the Colorado Springs Gazette website. And... No, we haven't heard these candidates say much of anything. If anything, we've seen them walk back some of their positions. Jared Polis still isn't saying how he's going to play, pay for health care or what universal health care in Colorado looks like, except that, trust him, it's not single payer. You know, Walker Stapleton is talking about sanctuary cities, but not in the tone that he talked about in the primaries when Tom Tancredo was backing him. Now he's saying he's only talking about felons. Uh, but... I don't think that's the way the base of his party sees the sanctuary city issue. So no, I don't, I don't see, other than the debate I'm moderating tomorrow night, none of these other debates really matter. So everybody <laughs> tune in, KOAA Live, streaming on Colorado Politics and the Gazette. <laughs> Fortunately, Carter Inside Out has been home for shameless plugs for its entire 26-year run. So you're in good company there, Joey. Uh, Scott, do you think uh, there was any moments that, from these debates that we're going to see in ads in the next 10 to 15 days? I mean, what really struck me in, in, in the debates that I was able to watch was a contrast between Jared Polis, who, you know, he's his own man, right? So as, as, a, as, as the lefty sitting at this table, there are moments when I see Jared Polis and he rankles me. I disagree with things that he says. Um, when I watch Walker Stapleton, he's like a walking dark money contribution report, right? He is towing very specific party lines that we're all used to seeing on Twitter. I hear the American for Prosperity talking point. Then I hear the Colorado oil and gas talking point. 
this is, you know, so I'd say, you know, Jared Polis is, you know, trying to be a maverick, trying to be his own man. Walker Stapleton is trapped by a very scripted, very conservative political agenda that I just think is out of step, and it, and it makes him sound like a robot. It's going to be interesting to see in the next four debates. Give us more to talk about. Speaking of debates, Republican incumbent Mike Kaufman and Democratic challenger Jason Crow had their first televised debate right here earlier tonight. CD6 is currently the most evenly balanced district in the state, yet has been represented by Republicans since its inception in the early, excuse me, late 1980s. Uh, Krista, we've been talking around this table for a while that uh, Mike Kaufman's probably the hardest of a politician in Colorado to defeat, uh, as the trail of Democrats who have tried to defeat him so far can attest to, but this might be a different year. From what you've seen from the campaign and their first televised debate, what do you think? You know, it's going to be a tough election, but they're all tough elections. The Democratic Party has thrown the best they have at him every two years. Um, a Morgan Carroll, uh, Andrew Romanoff, attractive, successful uh, packages that uh, somehow uh, Mike Kaufman managed to beat. He does that because he works super hard. I think he works like 24 hours a day. He knows his district. He knows the families. He knows the immigrant families and the refugee families in, in Aurora. He knows everyone. He is always out there working with people, meeting the needs of people. His office is incredibly responsive. Um, if you have a problem with a government agency, they get back with you. He is sort of old-fashioned politics, the guy that puts on a pair of tennis shoes and goes out and gets to know his district and does what's right for that district. It's very hard to beat someone like that. Joey, uh, d despite the, the, the long record from the Kaufman County, I mean, uh, Krista, or whatever she's in, um, <laughs> do you think that the district has become too widely represented because of Aurora has changed as dramatically as the rest of the Denver metro area? Or is there that mid-year, I guess, albatross you get from any president in their midterm, is, is that what's driving this down? Yeah, it's a little from column A, a little from column B. Um, the district has changed, but boy, Mike Kaufman sure has changed as well in his policies to represent that district. You know, this, this election, I think Kaufman is going to be the watermark of how high the blue wave is. If they take out Mike Kaufman, then this is a, is a high blue wave. But what President Trump is doing to, and, and no favor to Mike Kaufman is making this a referendum on Donald Trump. He won't stay out of the headlines, and I think that's going to make it very hard for, for Kaufman, and all Jason Crow has to do is be a Democrat. That's a good point. Uh, Scott, what do you think? Is, is this going to come down to anything that is specifically in CD6, or is this a national referendum because of that really sucking all the political auction out of the room? Yeah, I think to a certain extent it's a national referendum. I, I think that in watching the, the, the public television debate between Kaufman and Crow, you know, one just detects a bit of defeated uh, demeanor from, 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 uh, from Kaufman, right? He just seems like uh, his heart's not as in, as in it. Uh, I, I actually wanted, I watched last, last cycle's debate. He's lost a little bit of that fire. He's on the defensive. He's a little bit in the weeds. Um, and you see Crow going after him with a very prescribed message. Um, and so, I, you know, just one, one wonders if Kaufman's finally going to get uh, beat this year uh, after towing kind of the same, you know, moderate, squishy message. It's just not working this year. And I, I agree with Joey. Uh, that'll be the high water mark of the, of the blue wave in CD6. Patty, uh, we have uh, uh, doomed or uh, blossomed political uh, careers here at this table by predicting one way or the other. Uh, usually it's a kiss of death at this table. Uh, what do you think so far from the debate we've seen and from the campaign in CD6? 
Well, if you watch the debate, it's a pleasant relief from the really bad ads. I mean, there is no question that the District 6 ads, and usually not done by the candidates, they're done by the PACs, they're done by dark money, they've been horrible. And so to actually see these two people up there and you're like, oh, they're actually human, they're not really, really horrible, um, horrible people, and, but they both are such interesting candidates, and certainly Jason Crow's got a great backstory. So if there's ever a time the Democrats will take this area, it's going to be this year because of the blue wave, which is now propelled by the hurricane, I think. And, uh, but Kaufman, I think, will come back and fighting for him. It's going to be very tight. Reactions to the Denver Post report about State Representative Jovan Melton and two charges of domestic violence in his past has divided some of the Democratic Party. Some party leaders are asking Melton to resign. Meanwhile, Reverend Asen Phillips said calls for his resignation were a political lynching, and former Mayor Wellington Webb said it was a Jim Crow double standard. Melton categorically denied any wrongdoing in the former in the past accounts. Uh, Joey, there was a Colorado politics report involved here, and for the first time, at least I know in my recent memory, and that could be spotty, where you saw such a direct division within major leaders of the Democratic Party. This wasn't a community activist being angry at somebody in the city. This was the former Mayor Wellington Webb repeating on camera that this was a Jim Crow double standard. That was not light language uh, aimed at direct party leaders. What'd you take away from it? Wow, not not a lot of fun to be a Democrat right now. You know they've had a they've you know been having a party for months and now the hangover is starting. You know the the. The Democrats, you know, their base has been splitting for, for months now. Back when Syra Rao ran against Diana DeGette, now we're seeing the same kind of race politics dividing the party. And the thing is here, everybody's right and everybody's wrong. There are no easy solutions here. You know, we're at a moment in time, the Me Too movement, there are a lot of people that would like to see that factor into this election. It doesn't bode well for Javon Melton. You know, he was a rising star in that party. He's not going to be a rising star any longer if he manages to hang on to his seat. Scott, uh, you walk around a lot of political circles, not uh, just Democrats, but you see leaders from all over. But when you see something like this, here's the gubernatorial candidate, Jared Polis, uh, being asked for the situation, saying, yeah, he should probably think about resigning. Then you see former Mayor Wellington Webb and Asen Phillips, two heavy hitters in Colorado, going that far in describing the situation. Uh, what was your reaction? This thing is a mess. Um, but, I mean, I guess what I would say is I think it's a contrast you know, when you look at the issues that Democrats are trying to confront and what I don't see being confronted among Republicans, uh, it's, none of this is pretty. But what I see is Democrats wrestling with some very complicated and complex social dynamics. This is uh, at the intersection of political honesty, uh, sexual assault in the Me Too movement, race, and you're seeing all of that play out. And so, like I said, none of this is pleasant to watch and everybody's right and everybody's wrong. But at least what I see is Democrats really trying to contend with these very, very powerful forces uh, that are going on in our society. And I just think it contrasts completely with the other side of the aisle that just will not have any of this conversation at all. And so um, I, I think it's unpleasant to watch, but uh, this is clearly uh, something that needs to, needs to happen at this, at this point. Patty, what kind of uh, level of, where's the DEFCON level for the Colorado Democratic Party when they're opening up the paper or websites today and seeing comments from their gubernatorial candidate and somebody like Mayor Webb completely at odds with each other? Well, it's the division we've seen across the country, although usually it's between parties, but now it's within a party. 
But look at, we just put someone on the Supreme Court for life who was accused of doing very, very bad things when he was about the same age as when Javon Melton got that first domestic violence charge. So, and if you really study through those charges, it does look like the second one in particular has some real issues. And the woman who was involved even said she thought the cop was, um, it smacked of racism, how the cop responded. So what's interesting is that this hadn't come out earlier when basically you looked at someone the wrong way in the last legislative session and you were hearing about it. So interesting that it didn't come out until now. Good that it did come out now because let's let the voters decide. Jovan Melton can talk about what he wants. Everyone can support him or go against him. But this is really a decision for the voters. Everybody's got something in their background. We've got Walker Stapleton's DUI that people have to decide. Is that a problem or not? These are fairly old charges. They're a little... Uh, Hinky, but why we didn't hear about him earlier? If I were Jovan Malton, I would have admitted them earlier just because now it's come back less than a month before the election. Krista, I, I like to think that I, I keep up with political uh, issues and headlines. I certainly miss my, more than my fair share, but I try to stay in tune. This one seemed to come out of nowhere. I mean, there was a, a headline on Wednesday and Thursday, this <laughs> haymaker came from the other side uh, in a, uh, a non uh, election year where there's not so many other headlines going other, everywhere else. This would have been topic one on this show. This would have been in the headlines for a long time. Right now, at least there's some competition for it, but it's still a big deal. What was your reaction? I mean, it is a big deal. And unlike the Kavanaugh case, there actually is some proof in this situation. We're talking about the, uh, a Me Too movement that I think has largely been a very good thing. I think it communicates something very forcefully, do not touch women without their consent, do not hurt women, do not abuse women, and there needs to be consequences. But when I listened to Bishop Phillips this morning, I thought, well, you know, there's a, a part of this conversation we haven't had yet, and that is the question of, is there redemption? Is there forgiveness? Is there a sense that something happened a long time ago and that person has uh, made amends and become a better person? I don't feel like we've had that part of the conversation yet, and we're all human. We've all done dumb things. We've all probably done some bad things that we wish we hadn't done. So when we look at the, the situation uh, with this representative, I think we need to be having some of that conversation as well. That's an excellent point, Chris. That's a good point. Colorado's Legislative Council is working to fix problems with Colorado voters who have yet to receive their blue books. A printer processing error sent books to physical addresses and not P.O. boxes in 34 counties across Colorado. Uh, Scott, uh, the blue book is this great piece of information with all the details you need, pro and con on every single thing that's on the ballot. Uh, you brought yours as a visual aid. Uh, is this a major problem for Colorado or, hey, uh, printer mistakes, peel box, that kind of stuff happens? I mean, I, I can't say that this is a major systemic problem, but I can say for the ballot measure that uh, is now missing from the blue book, it is a major problem in a year when it's very difficult to cut through the noise. Um, and I believe it's, you know, Proposition 111, which is actually the one that my organization, the Bell Policy Center, is a very strong supporter of. You know, this is an issue that needs attention, and it's regrettable that voters won't have that information. Um, I hope that they correct the mistake and get new information in front of the voters. Um, but unfortunately, it means that, you know, that campaign is going to have to work that much harder and spend that much more money to make sure that this issue gets in front of uh, voters who need to understand what's in front of them. Patty, this was also in these situations where you think one organization's in charge of it and probably got a lot of the complaint calls, and that's not their job technically. The Colorado Legislative Council puts out the blue book, but the Colorado Secretary of State, I'm, I'm sure Lynn Bartles had a very busy week uh, getting calls about the blue book. Um, issues that happen or bigger problem? 
I think that's a pretty major problem because it's not just 111 that's affected. We've said it before when there have been other problems with ballots, that when they went out without the right amount of the announcement of well, how much postage, typos, would it kill these people to get an editor and a proofreader on the project to make sure all the pages are in there? The post office mailing, you can understand sometimes people get confused about basic addresses, but this should have been right from the beginning. The fact that you can go online and see it right is not going to make up for it. So let's just hope when the ballots go out on Monday that they are all perfect. Krista, we're pretty geeky around this table, geek number one right here. Uh, I'm hoping blue books are this valued piece of information that folks are using, opening, reading through. Uh, but are they? do you think they're used that way? Nobody reads them. Um, they go right into recycling every time. I think people go to their friends, maybe they go to commercials, maybe they go to awesome publications like the Denver Post, Westward, and ColoradoPolitics.com, because that's really where the meat of the information is, and they can go there and, and hear what other people have to say. But in the end, I mean, I'm being a little facetious, I just don't know that anyone reads that book. Maybe they even watch debates on Channel 12. I mean, it, thinks, exactly. it, it could get that weird. Or visiting the Bell Policy Center. <laughs> that's right. And the Independence Institute. <laughs> Uh, Joey, is the blue book the uh, 2018 phone book that's thrown in your driveway, you're irritated, and you throw it in recycling, or is it this great piece of literature that everyone needs to read word for word? Uh, it's an example of how government operates sometimes. You know, the, one of the most important things that we ask them to do, and they screw it up. And to your, effect, your point, uh, I hope that they get the ballots out correctly next week. And we won't blame Lynn Bartles if that happens. But no, I think that most people that are politically engaged get their sources. They go to people who tell them what they want to hear. And I just don't think the blue book, I think it's outlived its usefulness. It is time for our very favorite part of the show, Disgrace the Week. As always, Ms. Calhoun, please start us off. There are a lot of things people need to study in the blue book or somewhere else, and definitely they need to look at 74, which the more you look at it, the worse it looks. And in fact, uh, the Colorado Gazette just changed their editorial position on it because they say it's so bad for Colorado. If they're changing their tune, that's a bad, bad proposition. Krista? You know what? I, I think it's a shame that people are not vaccinating their kids. And we just got a report in the last two days that vaccination rates have actually gone down a little bit among a certain sector of people. So if you look at 2001 until today, back then, 0.03% of young children were not vaccinated. We're now up to 1.3%. I know that's not a ton, but it does make a difference. It could mean something like measles or whooping cough can get a beachhead in a particular community. And those kids that cannot be vaccinated, and there are some that have health issues that preclude that, then those kids are then susceptible to it. So parents, if you're watching, get out there, vaccinate your kids. There's a reason we came up with vaccines for things like measles. It's not exactly. uh, just a, a joke uh, disease on the Brady Bunch. Joey. Eric Holder, President Obama's attorney general, a potential presidential candidate in a couple of years. He says that when, uh, when they go low, we kick them. Two years ago, Michelle Obama told Democrats that when they go low, we go high. She said we're better than them. This week, Eric Holder said we're not. Scott. I should say they, no. not we. <laughs> Scott. Uh, I think it was earlier this week, if not just right before this past weekend, that uh, the U.N. climate change report came out showing that if we don't significantly change emissions in this, uh, in this world, we're going to face severe consequences by 2040. read another article that talked about if we don't severely cut back on beef, pork, chicken consumption in this, in, uh, on this planet, uh, we are going to deal with some real uh, consequences. We have to start doing something, and I just don't see the political conversation focusing on this dire existential threat like it should be. 
especially when they use years like 2040. We can see 2040 from here. That, 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 that's uh, can not see as crazy. It from my house. Yes, you can. <laughs> Time to say something nice. Patty. Yesterday at History Colorado, Governor Owens, former Governor Owens, and Governor Hickenlooper announced a new leadership gallery for the museum. So let's hope, let's hope it inspires everyone to behave a little better. Krista. I'm going to check my temperature. I'm going to give a shout-out to President Trump. I know normally I say very negative things about him, but the pastor in Turkey, the American pastor, Andrew Brunson, was released today, and I do think that President Trump deserves a little credit. Joey? Uh, you know, campaign people take a lot of abuse, especially from the press, but, you know, these are some of the hardest-working people who believe in ideals, and I think this country could use a little less finger-pointing and a little bit more mutual respect. Scott? I spent so much time thinking about my disgrace of the week that I got nothing nice to say this week. <laughs> it's, 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 it's the season. Joey Bunch. Joey Bunch. Joey Bunch. Can we talk about Joey's jacket? jacket? Yes. I mean, this is something. That, that is uh, Roll is Tide Worthy. This America great right here. <laughs> if, if everybody could have a jacket as cool as Joey's, the world would just be a better place. Well, well said. Well said. A reminder for next week, our debates continue as we feature the candidates running for Attorney General, Republican George Brockler and Democrat Phil Weiser at 7 o'clock. Then at 7.30, the semifinal rounds of both sides of the story continue as students from George Washington High School and Mountain Vista High School debate if Colorado should offer subsidies to companies who move to Colorado. A special spoiler alert, David Copel is going to love this debate because corporate welfare does come up. And I, uh, I'm going to tell you which debater brings it up, but I'm, I'm sure somewhere David Copel is smiling. Uh, and and finally, just want to make sure everyone knows out there that if you're wondering, hey, uh, I disagree with Chris, I want to watch all these crazy debates, we have plenty of them at CPT12.org. Uh, we, have, we covered uh, five different ballot issues. We have the governor's debate there. We have CD6. We'll have the AG's race. We're covering the treasurer's race and the secretary of state coming up. So we have almost everything covered. We're happy to be a source for you. And we are part of an enormous uh, sponsorship, or partnership, rather, uh, the Colorado Sun. We're with CBS4, also with KUNC Public Radio, uh, and KOA News Radio and KHOW. It's all going to culminate on election night. We'll be live here in our studio from 8 to 10 p.m. covering all the big races, and we'll be tuning in with uh, Channel 4's coverage at 9 o'clock. So we're pretty excited about that. It's all about us covering the election and what we can do for you because you've helped make that possible. We have taken this very seriously as a station for a long time, and we're proud to do so. You've told us, I think, I mean, I told the story a couple of times in the year. I started as an intern in 1996, and I was there for our first debates that, uh, that season. And th this is how long ago it was. Diana DeGette was in a primary, an, an actual primary where there was no incumbent. Pat Schroeder had just left her seat. So it was a long time ago. Uh, we have been doing debates every single two years since then, and we're proud to do so. And we're, it's great to have a partnership with CBS4 so we can do some election coverage. So we're there for you because you've helped us do so. So thank you for your support. Be sure to tune in. For everybody here at Colorado Public Television, I'm Dominic Dizzuti. Thank you so much for watching. Good night.